are Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media, and welcome to Weed Talk News. The predictions from last week seem to have hit the nail on the head. Just over a year after first revealing a draft version of federal cannabis reform legislation, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and other Senate Democrats have formally filed the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. It's been a highly anticipated move. The legislation would federally legalize the cannabis plant and set up framework for social equity efforts. However, there is talk that this bill could just set up the building blocks for a more incremental reform package that Schumer has been touting. Well, either way, it's a move that cannabis advocates have been wanting to see. So Vote Pro podcast Phil Adams takes a closer look at that and what else is happening in the nation's capital this week. Phil Adams from Vote Pro podcast, and this is the Weed Talk News DC report. After more than a year since unveiling the first draft, Senate leaders have formally introduced the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, along with Democratic colleagues Ron Wyden and Cory Booker, filed the CAOA this week after months of gathering input and building buy-in among lawmakers and other stakeholders. The 296-page legalization bill is similar to the Moore Act passed by the House in April and builds on the draft bill unveiled in the Senate last July. Among other provisions, the CEOA would remove cannabis from Schedule One, expunge prior convictions, and recognize the authority of states to set their own cannabis policies. Some notable changes to the draft bill include revisions concerning the rights of cannabis industry workers, a mandate to set federal impaired driving standards, banking protections, and a more inclusive definition of hemp. A hearing before a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee is scheduled for next week. WNBA star Brittany Griner is not the only US citizen being detained in Russia for a cannabis-related offense. This week, a senior White House official acknowledged a very similar situation involving Mark Fogel, a former staff worker at the US Embassy in Moscow, who is also petitioning the Biden administration to secure his release. Earlier this year, Fogel was found with 17 grams of cannabis in his luggage and was sentenced to 14 years in prison for, quote, large-scale smuggling. Unlike Greiner, Fogel has not been classified as a wrongfully detained person by the State Department. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser put her signature this week to a bill that provides workplace protections for cannabis users in the district. The legislation prohibits employers from firing, failing to hire, or taking other punitive actions against an employee for using cannabis. Workers are also protected from being punished for participating in a medical cannabis program or for failing a cannabis drug test, unless the position is designated as safety sensitive. Other exceptions are also enumerated in the bill. The new reform expands on a measure previously approved by the DC City Council to provide local government employees protections under the law. The legislation must now undergo congressional review before formally becoming law. That's the Weed Talk News DC report for this week. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast.
You heard in Phil's report about how the White House is looking into another case of an American detained in Russia for cannabis. And it seems that it's not the only issue from the motherland plaguing the cannabis community. Earlier this year, we told you about a report going around suggesting Curaleaf may be subject to sanctions because of its ties to Russia. It turns out that's not true, and the company was never sanctioned. But Curaleaf's top chairman, Boris Jordan, did business in the country for two decades and has admitted himself that he once had a close relationship with Vladimir Putin. It's a piece of conversation that has the industry talking since Curaleaf was one of the seven lucky companies awarded one of the first retail cannabis licenses in New Jersey. But will there be any sort of backlash for Curaleaf? Only time will tell. For now, let's check in with the Garden State uh, with Jill Goldsbury for this week's New Jersey Report. Hello, everyone. I'm Jill in New Jersey, and here's what's happening. Um, I reported recently on the proposed unionization of cannabis workers. And, and well, it looks like it's finally moving forward. Workers at MSOs in New Jersey, Verano, particularly Verano and AYR Wellness, have already entered bargaining agreements and signed contracts with their workers and the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 360 Union. Five other companies, the Botanist, Ascend Wellness, GTI, and Columbia Care and Justice Grown are already negotiating to create contracts with their workers. So what can workers expect to gain with these agreements? Well, according to the Local 360 Union rep, Hugh Giordano, he's confirmed already with FilterMag that workers at AYR and Verano are receiving raises of 9%, 9 plus percent annually and pay towards health care guaranteed increases annually and vacation time. So for those newly familiar with UFCW Local 360, the union partners with cannabis workers, patients, consumers, community allies, elected officials, and cannabis business owners to achieve the shared goals of creating a, an industry with family sustaining jobs and a focus on social equity. This is certainly a huge step in the cannabis employment industry and news. I'm Jill Goldsberry with what's happening in and around the New Jersey metro area. Next door in the Empire State, regulators have approved new rules governing New York's soon to begin retail cannabis sales, ensuring the first group of licenses will be given to business owners with past cannabis convictions. The licensing program prioritizes justice-involved individuals and sets up an online application portal that will go live likely next month. Now over in Pennsylvania, people are still pushing for adult use cannabis there, and it looks like it could be good for them as the numbers are in for cannabis arrests in the state from last year. And Claudia Post has those numbers and much more in this week's Pennsylvania Report. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express. And I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for We Talk News. First up, new data provided by the Pennsylvania State Police shows that over 13,000 people were arrested by law enforcement for simple marijuana possession in 2021. Makes the hair curl. On average, police made 38 marijuana-related arrests per day in Pennsylvania. Lehigh Valley's normal executive director, Jeff Reedy said, I believe that in 2022, we need to act on honest, comprehensive reforms of our outdated laws and end 
the prohibition of cannabis. No kidding. One state lawmaker is pushing for a clinical trial in Pennsylvania of psilocybin. A lot of veterans suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder and have to travel across the country to try psilocybin treatment. Dr. Matt Johnson said a lot of these vets come back and report profound healing. It's really as much like psychotherapy than it is like medication. A, another representative, an army vet who suffers with PTSD, wants to see psilocybin research in Pennsylvania. She sponsored a bill that will allow for a clinical trial licensed through the DEA looking at psilocybin as a treatment for PTSD for veterans and retired emergency medical service workers. The bill is currently before the House Health Committee. I certainly hope that Pennsylvania can lead this research and really will help a lot of people. And this is a fun one. Mike Tyson owns a cannabis company and he now has expanded its reach to Pennsylvania. And we can, his brand can be found in Columbia Cares dispensaries in Allentown, Scranton and Wilkes-Barre. That's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. So from We Talk News, have a fab week. Last week, we brought you several events from the Bay State, one of them in Holyoke, which is known as being one of Massachusetts' most cannabis-friendly town. But online publication Mass Live is now reporting that Northampton maybe taking the lead as the state's retail cannabis capital with more dispensaries popping up all the time. We Talk News producer Tori Chamberlain has more on what's happening in Massachusetts this week. Hey Elena, it is the middle of July here in Massachusetts, so you know things are certainly heating up and I guess they're heating up for the town of Northampton as far as cannabis goes. Mass Live, the online publication is now reporting that the town has 12 retail locations and a population of just about 29,000. So if you do the math, that equals out to about each dispensary location servicing 2,500 people. So that's really gonna be a question of sustainability for these shops. Northampton is not necessarily the biggest tourist spot in Massachusetts. Not a whole lot of people traveling there from outside. So we'll have to see through the test of time if all 12 of these shops can survive. Something else to keep an eye out for in Massachusetts is a new partnership hitting the shelves between Tilt Holdings and Toast. And no, it's not food, even though it sounds pretty yummy. Uh, Toast is actually a line of various pre-rolls, high-end, different varieties for people to try. They have Toast Slices, Toast Classic, and Toast Infused, which are all a variety of different sorts of pre-rolls, also ranging in different weights and sizes. Um, this is part of the first phase that we're seeing in Tilt Holdings expanding across state lines and introducing new products from this line of Toast. Um, so if you're in Massachusetts, Keep an eye out for that. And something even more exciting coming out of the Bay State this week that I've got to tell you guys about. A new program called the Veterans Cannabis Access Research Project. It's in partnership with Gibby's Garden, the CCOE, Patriots Helping Veterans, and 
tetragram. So what they're going to do is actually create a program for veterans where they give them cannabis. The first 450 veterans who are signed up get a couple of eighths, some pre-rolls, and a tincture, all for free. And they're going to be asked to report back uh, on how these cannabis products have helped impact their health and wellness and that's going to be information that's reported right back here in the base state and we'll see how those veterans get use out of that free cannabis we all know that uh, veterans serving this country long suffer from ptsd and other uh, injuries and things that cannabis could certainly help with so i'm all for seeing more of these types of programs and seeing how it can help our great veterans in this country. And that's it from Massachusetts this week. I'm Tori Chamberlain for Weed Talk News. The great state of Vermont has struggled to get cannabis regulations into gear, and now it seems they're throwing in the towel with hemp. The USDA gave Vermont the green light to sector its own state plan for the plant and industry, but less than one year later, regulators say the state's farmers will operate directly under federal rules in December of this year, as soon as the state's current hemp program ends. Jesse Lynn Dolan has much more in this week's Vermont Report. I'm Jesse Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. The Cannabis Control Board noted a milestone this week awarding the 100th cannabis license in Vermont. The Vermont Agency of Agriculture will withdraw its Agricultural Marketing Service of the USDA approved hemp production plan and beginning January 1st, 2023, hemp farmers will be required to have a license issued under the U.S. Domestic Hemp Program. As part of the summer dairy series, the 2022 annual field day at the Borderview Research Farm will be held on Thursday, July 28th. Join them for a farm tour with afternoon educational sessions in grains, hemp, forages, or soil health, and climate resiliency. July 30th, Viterra Farms hosts the Tunes of the High Breaks and Mal Mays on the hemp farm and in their fields of sunflowers, the national flower of Ukraine. Food, drink, and sunflowers are for sale with all profits donated to Blue Check Ukraine. Middlebury was one of the first communities in the state to vote to allow retail sales. They now are looking to exclude cannabis stores from the two major retail zones of the town, with an exception to the one currently town-approved retail flora, giving them an unfair advantage. This controversy or potential litigation could delay implementation of zoning revisions. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. People in Missouri have been enjoying the fruits of legal medical cannabis, but voters have been actively working to put adult use sales on this November's ballot. But those efforts may be going up in smoke. While incomplete, the latest tabulations from the Secretary of State's office show the Legal Missouri 2022 initiative is short of the necessary signatures needed to make the ballot. But the show me state could still show us all a marijuana miracle. You never know. Let's check in with Brandon Jones, who has more in this week's Missouri Report. Hey everybody, it's Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven with this Missouri, the Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. And yeah, we're kind of worried about what's going on with legalized low. We need a lot more signatures to try to see what's going on. I don't know what happened with the count, I'm trying to figure it out. But obviously, there's a couple of lower initiatives that are trying to get adult use passed here in Missouri. 
and put on the ballot here in November. So as you know, it did pass October 17th, 2020, but a lot of the dispensaries took a while to get up for it. And a lot of them are getting ready to start their one year anniversary parties. I'm actually here at my field state here in downtown Kansas City. They're going to have their one year anniversary party this Saturday. Having lots of different specials. I think there's eight different cultivators are offering, offering 30% off. There's 25% off Smokies, Lush Labs is here, Wink Seltzers, lots of different vendors. They're doing giveaways and just lots of different educational things that happen here at my field state. And they've partnered with the Canna Grooves event that's actually taking over 18th and Vine this weekend. Uh, if you're not familiar with Kansas City, 18th and Vine is a very historic district. It hosts and holds the Negro League Baseball Hall of Fame, the Jazz American Museum, and just a very, very uh, culturally uh, important area of Kansas City. So they're actually shutting down the block. Mayor Quentin Lucas uh, allowed for them to shut down the block. Well, the block's on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for the event. It is something that's for all family. I'm going to bring my two-and-a-half-year-old. They're actually having uh, showing Soul in the Park. During the evening on Friday, they're having a 10,000 water balloon fight on Saturday. So it's a family event. There is going to obviously be education about cannabis, the industry, and other things that are going on. But it is, you know, open to the family. They want everybody to just know that this is something to invite all of the community out. It's a community outreach event, not just something for the cannabis community. So if you have it a town and here in Kansas City, come out, check out my field state. Go out to Canna Groups. So you got 18th and Vine. They're having everything from Canna Yoga, like I talked about, the movie out there. And a really fun, what I think is cool, is a caregiver speed speed dating, where you can actually find somebody to cultivate, you know, flower for you here in Missouri if you're looking to have, you know, be a patient. So lots of fun things going on here in Kansas City. Again, come check them out. Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven, this week's Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Have a great week, everybody. In Illinois, the battle over Big Bud continues. We've reported a lot on the ongoing battle between corporate cannabis and craft cultivators. And it seems things haven't been settled yet, as several disgruntled craft grower applicants are filing suit. Thomas Howard explains in this week's Illinois Report. Hey, I'm Tom Howard from uh, Broccoli Emoji Legalization News, uh, a podcast that used to be much larger before the algorithm came at it. Uh, here to talk to you today about Illinois. There's news out of Illinois and its fledgling industry. 85 lawsuits with 106 plaintiffs were filed, and then three were not timely filed, and a few were filed pro se, and we'll get to those in a bit, but it had to do with the uh, incorrect scoring of the craft grower application that the state of Illinois handed out 88 licenses so far. The statutory cap has 150, and there's 86 or 85 uh, lawsuits with 106 plaintiffs that are trying to squeeze and take the remainder of the license limit. Why are there license limits? Who knows? Good question. Uh, most of the applicants that have failed to get their license are alleging either scoring errors or they're alleging unconstitutionality when it comes to the equal protection challenges arising from the veteran points or they're alleging uh, unconstitutionality when it comes to the state residency points pursuant to the Dormant Commerce Clause. We haven't yet reviewed the new Schumer COA that came out today on, uh, what is it, 
July 21st of 2022, but they added approximately another 100 pages to it. And therefore, maybe they will uh, allow at the congressional level the disparate treatment of in-state versus out-of-state actors and therefore squash all these dormant commerce clause cases that have been uh, allowing out-of-state operators into new states that are self-dealing all the cannabis licenses to their own citizens. Stay tuned for more on that. And uh, anything else going on in Illinois? Yes, there is actually. Uh, Illinois is releasing the dispensary licenses from the application window that closed two and a half years ago. Uh, and they've been starting to release the ones in the Cook County and the Chicagoland uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics regional area. And then they should start with the downstate license awards uh, about the first of the month, about first of August. Other than that, uh, Illinois is pretty much dead in the water with uh, cannabis. It's just a lot of new license holders whom are trying to get started up. Hopefully over the next six to 12 months, they get open for business. And with that, that's the Weed Talk News summary for Illinois. I'm Tom. You can find me at CannabisIndustryLawyer.com. See you next time. It's a whole new world of weed in South Dakota. Voters have been waiting a year and a half since approving medical cannabis in their state. And next week, enrolled patients will have their first chance to buy cannabis from a state licensed facility, United RD. It's in Hartford and it has secured the first initial inventory available to state run stores and will open to patients on July 27th. So sticking in the heartland of the country, here's an update from the Great Lakes State with Michigan Normal Executive Director, Rick Thompson. Hello again, this is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News. Let's begin. Well, when is too much, too much? It's a great question when considering the Michigan cannabis industry. We have unlimited licensing in our state, meaning there's no cap on the number of retail or cultivation centers operating in Michigan. Of the Detroit Free Press reports, there were 526 recreational dispensaries as of June, 2022, compared with only 389 in October of 2021 when Michigan's Cannabis Regulatory Agency started tracking the number of active licenses. Class C marijuana grower licenses increased from 405 to 619 in that same eight-month time period. Theoretically, an unlimited license scheme means unlimited opportunity, but in reality, it's local communities which bear the responsibility of limiting competition within their borders. We'll take Bay City, for example. Loom closed its Bay City store this, as we reported this week, and that has caused some controversy. In a city which at one time had the most bars per capita of any city in Michigan, the regulations for cannabis retailers are outrageous. ABC 12 reports that under their ordinance, Bay City will allow 50 retail licenses. They currently have 10 stores open, two more are about to open, 11 stores have completed partial paperwork, and three more are beginning the process. Alex Lenowitz from Redbud Roots told WXYZ News that his company is backing off their retail operations and focusing just on cultivation. The still competitive market has forced companies to change their business model. Jacob Owenby of Great Lakes Holistics says, instead of trying to be the next Apple store, his retail operation is focused on being, and I quote, the dollar general of pot, end quote. For those looking to sell their overpriced cannabis retail store, the market isn't looking very good either. 
Real estate specialist Andrea Grillo told the Detroit Free Press that in 2021, you could sell a cannabis cultivation facility for about $165 per square foot. Now, it's tough to get $70 per square foot. Terrapin just closed some cultivation facilities in Michigan, and they're reported to have dropped their employee base to just a skeleton crew focused on certain cannabis products they make profitably, like vape carts and concentrates. Cities are taking notice of the saturation effect, and some are making changes to their laws to counter it. Celine just completed a 50-day moratorium on cannabis licensing. MLive reports city leaders felt their 250-foot buffer zone between businesses would allow too many cannabis retailers to cluster together. City Council voted this week to quadruple that buffer zone distance to 1,000 feet in an effort to control licensing without using a cap. They also adopted a tough standard for how that distance is measured. Sounds like a solution, but as per state law, all applications submitted before this change in buffering are required to be licensed under the old rule because they're grandfathered in. Things are tough in the Great Lakes state and not just for cannabis businesses either. In 2021, Michigan was number 11 in the CNBC Survey of America's Top States for Business. And in 2022, we've dropped to number 16. Truth is, cannabis is a $2 billion market in a state that historically struggles when times get tough. Big cannabis companies can't keep up, and that may allow for a rise in small businesses in the cannabis sector. The long, tough shakeout in the cannabis market will hurt many people, but in the end, it may create a tougher industry with more mom and pop shops. We can only hope for the best. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson for Weed Talk News. In other state news, North Carolina isn't giving up on its efforts to go green. Last year, the state Senate passed a bill that would legalize medical cannabis for some patients, but it has since stalled in the House. But State Senator Bill Rabin says he's working closely with representatives and is willing to negotiate to pass the legislation. On the other end of the country, at least one California city is trying to put its big bucks from bud to good use. This week, the Sacramento City Council voted to put a youth funding measure on the November ballot. If passed, the city would use the equivalent of 40% of cannabis business tax revenue annually from the general fund for youth programs. So who says cannabis can't help the kids too, to an extent? Christopher Smith has more in this week's California Report. Greetings from the center of the cannabis universe. This is the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. Snoop Dogg is arguably one of the greatest rappers of all time, having been in music games since 1992. I had to look that up, white boy that I am, but that's 30 years now. My, how time flies. With some of the greatest songs and collaboration of our generation, 10 consecutive gold records, nine of which went platinum, 34 films, 25 TV series, and Martha, 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 Martha Stewart, that is, a sweet girl from my hood, and all from LA, bitches, so there's that. But now, Snoop is poking the nose of the biggest dog on the block, Joe Biden. Snoop posted on his Instagram package a package of a new strain called Sleepy Joe OG. The package features an image of a confused Biden with the words, where am I? Sleepy Joe OG premium cannabis promises to be so kick-ass, you won't even remember what country you're in. 
California Healthy Kids Survey is a nonpartisan effort held every two years and is funded by the California Department of Healthcare Services in conjunction with the California Department of Education. Between 2015 and 2017, the group surveyed 45,264 seventh graders, ninth graders, and 11th graders on topics covering school, climate, substance use, and student well being, and stuff like that. The results that were published just this week are certainly no surprise to those of us who have been paying attention to things like this. States like Colorado and Washington, but they are remarkable nonetheless. Cannabis use by seventh graders fell 47% from 2013 to 2017. Cannabis use by ninth graders fell 25% during the survey period. And cannabis use by 11th graders fell by 16% during the survey period. Repeated cannabis use within the past 30 days fell across all age groups. Just goes to show you, when cannabis is legalized, less is used by kids. So California officials have also awarded more than $1.7 million in grants to help promote sustainable marijuana cultivation practices and assist growers in obtaining their annual licenses. This is the first round of the Qualified Cultivator Grant Program funding that's been made available through the California Department of Fish and Wildlife Cannabis Restoration Grant Program. And there's an acronym for that. I bet you can guess what it is. Grants are awarded to eligible nonprofits, government entities, and tribes, which can then distribute the funds to individual grower applicants. A total of $6 million will be allocated through the program, which is first announced in August 2021. I may have even reported on it here, and will remain open for application through April 2023. And I'm Christopher Smith, and I'm publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing, the, bringing you the dope on Snoop Dogg and Sleepy Joe, healthy kids in California, and sustainable growing in the California for Weed Talk News. Cannabis events are all the rage these days, and the Bellingham Bud Fest in Washington State drew thousands of visitors, more than expected, on July 16th. But organizers of the event say they may not return, saying the State Liquor and Cannabis Board makes it nearly impossible for cannabis businesses to have public festivals and that better laws are needed. So Josh Kincaid has so much more from Washington State this week. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Four-year college students drink more and use cannabis less than their community college peers. Students at four-year colleges and universities drink nearly twice as much alcohol as their peers in two-year colleges, according to a survey of college students in the Seattle area. On the other hand, students in community colleges and other two-year institutions use cannabis nearly twice as often as four-year students. For cannabis use, two-year students' average use is over eight days in the previous month, while four-year students average nearly four and a half days of use. Two-year students are using cannabis more than four-year students, but they also think that their peers are using it more than they probably are. More research is needed to understand why these differences in alcohol and cannabis use exist, but perceptions of peer use may be one factor, especially four-year students thought that their peers drank more, whereas two-year students thought that their peers used cannabis more than they actually did. So if you think your peers are drinking or smoking more than they really are, it could lead you to drink or smoke more. 
Next week, you guys will find out more about Washington State's cannabis scene. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State cannabis report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. And how's this for a change in course? It seems cannabis legalization has made American roads safer for everyone. A new study from researchers at the University of Arkansas and Iowa State University points out that truck driving in legalized states is safer than ever. The study specifically looks into the connection between recreational cannabis legalization and truck driving in those states. And researchers found there are reduced numbers of traffic incidents and risks on state and federal roads in those states that have gone green. So here's to truckers for taking the high road and the safe one. After all, it is a whole new world of weed out there, so use it wisely. That's all for this week on Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto for Pro Cannabis Media. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.